0: This is Thurman Hayes, pastor of First Baptist Church of Suffolk, Virginia. We want to welcome you to this message from our services at First Baptist. We're a congregation that is seeking to touch lives through the life-changing power of the gospel. I pray that you'll encounter Christ in His power and love, even now, as you listen. Amen. Let's pray together. Father, as we just, we just sang, we, we have the incredible privilege living in the days that we live in to, to live on this side of the resurrection. To, to know that our King is risen and to be able to, to look back on the, on the sweep of the story of redemption that is ours in Christ. And so Lord, we, we pray that you would help us to see Right now, as we open your word, that, that we are part of that plan and that it is an incredible privilege to live in these days. And Lord, we pray that we would live lives of, of holiness, that, that our lives would be different so that we can make a difference in, in the world that we're living in, and that Christ would be exalted, that His beautiful name would be lifted up through our lips as we speak words of life, as we share the gospel, through our lives, lives that portray who you are, that people can get a vision of who Christ is and be drawn to him. And so, Lord, we pray that right now you would prepare our hearts for your word. We pray that your Holy Spirit would incline our hearts, give us a hunger and a a thirst for your word today. Lord, speak to us through your word and the power of your Holy Spirit. Through your Son, it's in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. well, if you're new today, we are uh, walking through the book of first Peter. Uh, this is generally kind of what we, we do at our church we're usually walking through a book of the Bible and so a couple of weeks ago, we began to do that with the book of first Peter so i'll ask you to, to turn to first Peter today the, the, Really the theme of, of first Peter is hope uh, throughout the, the this epistle hope is is, is really the the, the theme theme that is, is lifted up, and so today we're talking about hope and holiness, hope and holiness. So we're going to look at verses 10 through 16 today. If you'll find that uh, in your copy of, of God's Word, going to be reading from the, the CSV, the Christian Standard Bible. If you have an ESV or an, or an NIV or most of the translations, you'll be able to, uh, to follow along well uh, with that. So what I'm going to do today um, is when we when we look at passages from First Peter, you're going to be looking at your down at your Bibles, okay? Because it's going to be right there. When I cross reference and we look at scriptures from other from books other than First Peter, that'll be on the screen and your outline is on the screen. If you want to take notes. In your bulletin. And so uh, let's look at 1 Peter chapter 1. And we're going to look today at verses 10 through 16. Peter says concerning this salvation. The prophets who prophesied about the grace that would come to you. Searched and carefully investigated. They inquired into what time or what circumstances. The spirit of Christ within them was indicating when he testified in advance to the sufferings of Christ and the glories that would follow, it was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves, but you. These things have now been announced to you through those who preach the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. Angels long to catch a glimpse of these things. Therefore, with your minds ready for action, be sober-minded and set your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the desires of your former ignorance, but as the one who called you is holy, you also are to be holy in all your conduct, for it is written... Be holy because I am holy. I vividly remember the first time that I ever saw Julius Irving play basketball. Yeah, you know, I, I had heard all about uh, Dr. J as, as a kid, all about his, his kind of high-flying act out on the court, But and I'm dating myself here, but there weren't a lot of basketball games on TV uh, back in those days. So i only heard about this guy. But then one night, I turned on the TV, and there he was. And, and let me tell you, there may have been 10 guys that were out on the court, but there was one guy <laughs> who stood out, His leaping ability, his athleticism was just so distinguished, so set apart that he just stood out from all the other players. That's kind of what holiness is all about. God has has called us as believers and 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 separated us out and, and and set us apart to be different so that we can make a difference in the lives of others around us. We have to be a different kind of people in order to make a difference in the lives of of people who are are lost. We're called to be holy. We're called to be distinct. We are called to stand out for Christ. Paul in Philippians chapter 2 really gives us a picture of this. When he says there in Philippians 2 14 and 15, do everything without grumbling and arguing so that you may be blameless and pure. Children of God who are faultless in a crooked and perverted generation, among whom you shine like stars in the world. So, the word picture that Paul is giving us here in Philippians 2 is that as believers, we are to be like stars that are shining out against the darkness of night. Because the people, the Christians he was writing to in the first century were living in a culture of darkness. And we as believers in the 21st century are living in a a, a culture that is so dark in in so many ways. But in the midst of that darkness, we are called to shine, to stand out, to shine like stars. Stars in, in the darkness of that night. That's the picture of what, of what holiness is. And Peter, here in, in verses 10 through 16, is going to talk about hope and holiness. Because you see, the, the way that, that our lives portray the holiness of God. It's not so much when we kind of grit our teeth and say, oh, I'm gonna be more holy. No, we become more holy as we behold the one who is holy. As we worship him, as we walk with him, as we trust him, then the spirit transforms our lives to be more and more like him hope, and holiness. So what are the principles that, that Peter gives us here in these verses that we need to grab a hold of? First of all, he tells us in verses 10 through 12, know who you are. Know who you are. Now, before um, we get actually into the verses this morning, let's remember who the original recipients of the epistle of First Peter were. They were suffering believers who were living in regions that would now be the the modern nation of Turkey. But they were suffering. They were persecuted for their faith. And Peter is writing this letter to give them hope. Hope! And we go through trials as well. We talked about them last week in verses six through nine when we talked about hope Hope in the midst of trials. We're going through trials. Our gaze needs to be fixed upon God. We're called to to hope in, in Him. But it's really important to understand who the original recipients of this letter are because it will shed light. It will open up all kinds of things that we need to understand about the letter. These people are hurting. They're going through trials, and one of the things that we need to understand when we are going through trials is that God has a plan for our lives. So that's the kind of the first thing that we need to see under this main point is that you are part of God's plan. You are part of God's plan. When, when we're suffering, we need to understand that our sufferings are not random. They're not meaningless. They haven't caught God by surprise. We need to know that our sovereign God is in control and that he loves us and that he's causing all things to work together for his glory and for our good. And we need to know, as we talked about last week, that that our trials are painful gifts that God is using to make us more and more like Christ. And we also need to know when we're suffering that our lives as believers are part of a larger plan of redemption that was prophesied long before we drew our first breath. God had a plan. And in fact, that plan actually Began before the foundation of the world when he chose us to be his own. And so we saw in the very first verse of 1 Peter, who is the letter addressed to? It's addressed to those who were chosen, who are, are living as exiles. And so we talked about the fact that we as believers are elect exiles. And that theme of, of God choosing us to be his special people continues throughout the letter. We see it in chapter 2. Turn in your Bibles to chapter 2 and verse 9. This is a key verse in 1st Peter. 1st Peter 2 and verse 9. Peter says, "But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his possession, so that you may proclaim the praises of the one who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. And so as believers, we have been called out of darkness into the light of Christ, and yet we're still living in a world that's dark. And there's always a tension there, right? Because we're, we're, we're to be in this world, but not of this world. That's what makes us exiles. We're like strangers in a strange land. And so there's a sense in which we we shouldn't, we're never gonna be completely comfortable here, nor should we be. And what it also means is that we are, we're living in a world that's fallen, right? We've been called out of the darkness. And now we are children of light, but yet we're still living in this world of darkness. And so because of that, there's a brokenness, and sometimes we're going to experience that brokenness, and there's gonna, there are going to be trials in our lives. And so we talked last week in, in verses 6 through 9 about the, the trials that we go through as believers and, and God's purpose in them. And what Peter wants us to understand in verses 10 and following is that our lives, both the gospel that we heard and ourselves as believers are part of a huge plan of redemption that was spoken about hundreds of years before, thousands of years before in the Old Testament. So what does he say here in, in verses 10 and eleven he says, concerning this salvation, the prophets who prophesied about the grace that would come to you searched and carefully investigated, they inquired into what time and what circumstances the spirit of Christ within them was indicating when he testified in advance to the sufferings of Christ and to the glories that would follow. Remember if you were here on Easter. We looked at Luke 24, and we talked about the encounter that the risen Christ has with those two who were walking on the road to Emmaus. And remember how those two were so defeated, so discouraged. They had been there in Jerusalem when Jesus was crucified, and they had put all of their hopes in Jesus, and, and now they just felt like all of their hopes had been dashed. And so they're walking along the road, and here comes another walker (laughs) coming up beside him, and it's Jesus, right? And what does he say to him? Luke 24, 25 and following? He said to them, how foolish you are, and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Wasn't it necessary for the Messiah to suffer these things and enter into his glory? Then, beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted for them the things concerning himself in all the scriptures. Now that's exactly what Peter is talking about here in verses 10 and 11. You know, he is saying that the gospel that you have heard that has changed your lives, and, and you yourselves, you know, you may feel like you're just like these little struggling, persecuted believers who are going through all these trials and sometimes you feel like you're like little boats that are just kind of like out there being rocked in a storm and Peter wants them and he wants us to understand, no, you are a part of a plan. And, the, and it is an incredible privilege to live in the days in which you live. That's the, the second thing that we see here is that you are privileged. You are privileged. Verse 12 He says, it was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves, but you. These things have now been announced to you through those who preach the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from God. Angels long to catch a glimpse of these things. So as the prophets were writing these incredible prophecies about the gospel, they wondered and they hoped and they yearned, oh, will this be in our day? but it was revealed to them that no, it would not be in their day, that it would be in our day. So we have the incredible privilege of, of living on this side of the, of the gospel, of the cross and the resurrection. And so to, Peter wants us to understand that to live in the times in which we live is a mind-blowing privilege to be able to know and to live in the glory of the realities that we talked about in verses three through five. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ because of his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And so because we have a risen savior, Who lives, we can have a a living hope no matter what the trials are that we're going through. Christ is risen. That trumps everything else in life. We have been given this new birth, a fresh beginning. We have been born anew by the power of the Spirit. And now there is an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, that is being kept in heaven for us. And no matter how painful the trials are that you're going through, listen, you've got this incredible inheritance that no one can take away that's going to last forever, and it's right around the corner. And it's forever, and it's being kept safe for you. It's already yours, just waiting for you to take possession of it. And then what? He says in verse five, you're being guarded by God's power through faith for a salvation that's ready to be revealed. in the last time, he's saying here that the spirit is going to guard us and he's going to enable us to persevere in our faith. And he's saying here that Jesus is coming again and when he does, we're gonna be raised with glorified bodies to live with him forever in a new heaven and earth. These are the realities that we are to know as believers. And so to live in these times and knowing these things is just like an incredible privilege. Like what a time to be alive. Now sometimes I know we're tempted to think, well, I wish I lived in different times. I wish I lived in the 50s. You know, like most people were going to church and like the culture was a lot different and not everybody was staring down at their phone and people actually interacted with other human beings and things. I wish I lived back in those days. But what we need to see is that we have an incredible opportunity to live in these days because the fact that things are more and more dark gives an opportunity for the light to shine out all the brighter. The fact that people are more and more lonely and more and more isolated from one another is an incredible opportunity for the church to welcome them into a family. So what are we gonna do with our privilege, right? It's it's a mind-blowing privilege to live in the times in which we live, but what are we going to do with that privilege of living on this side of the cross and the resurrection and seeing the whole story of the gospel and having experienced that? What are we going to do with that? We're called to pray. We're called to give. We're called to go. We're called to speak the gospel boldly, call to lives of holiness. So know who you are. Second, be who you are. Be who you are. Let's take a look at verse 13. Therefore, with your minds ready for action... Be sober-minded and set your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Now, verse 13 is sort of a bridge verse. It's sort of a hinge verse for this reason, because verses 3 through 12 are filled with indicatives. Peter is telling us about what God has done Verses 13 and following are filled with imperatives. It's about what we are to do in light of what God has done and the kind of people we are to be in light of what God has done for us in the gospel. Uh, And so when you see that word, therefore, especially in a letter, it usually indicates that this is sort of a transitional moment, and and that is the case Here. Uh, Edmund Clowney, uh, who taught for many years at Westminster Seminary, uh, wrote a commentary on 1 Peter in which he said this about verse 13. Clowney says, The imperatives of Christian living always begin with, therefore. Peter does not begin to exhort Christian pilgrims until he has first celebrated the wonders of God's salvation in Jesus Christ, the indicative of what God had done for us precedes the imperative of what we are called to do for him because we have been given hope we are called to live in it so how do we live in the hope we've been given well Peter wants us to know a couple of things here first of all be action minded be action minded Let's look at verse 13 again. He says, therefore, with your minds ready for action. Now, literally, it says to, to, to gird up the loins of your mind. You say, well, what in the world does that mean? Well, in biblical times, you know, people wore long flowing robes. And so when they were called to action, like if they were in a situation where they had to move quickly, you know, where they had to run, they would, they would have to kind of gather up you know, gather up their robes and kind of like tuck them in so that they could run unencumbered. And that's what Peter's, that's the image here that he's giving us. You could almost compare it to like a a football coach who who would be addressing the team, like at a team meal before a game, before they dressed out, put on their pads or anything. And the coach kind of addresses the the guys and kind of gives them a pep talk. And he says that the Anoka guys, it's time to strap it on. Right? That's what Peter is saying here, except we're to strap on something far more significant than pads. <laughs> we're to strap on the armor of God right, and be ready for action. And so Paul says in Ephesians 6, Ephesians 6, I'm waiting on the screen if we could pop that up. There we go, all right. For this reason, take up the full armor of God so that you may be able to resist it in the evil day and having prepared everything to take your stand. Stand therefore with truth like a belt around your waist, righteousness like armor on your chest, and your feet sandaled with readiness for the gospel of peace. In every situation, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And so we're to be action-minded, right? Have our minds ready for action, alert. That's what he's getting to next. Be sober-minded. Be sober-minded. Sober what else does he say here in verse 13? Therefore, with your minds ready for action, be sober-minded and set your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Tom Schreiner, uh, who teaches New Testament at Southern Seminary, says this about this verse it says Peter was not merely saying that believers should refrain from drunkenness. There is a way of living that becomes dull to the reality of God that is anesthetized by the attraction of the world. When people are lulled into such drowsiness, they lose sight of Christ's future revelation of himself and concentrate only on fulfilling their earthly desires. And desires is where Peter is going next. Look at verse 14. He says, as obedient children, do not be conformed to the desires of your former ignorance. Now, verse 14 is an indication that first Peter was written to people who had grown up in a Gentile context. These are not people who had grown up knowing the Old Testament or, or having the lifestyle or the morals that, was, that were promoted in, in Judaism. These were people who had grown up as pagans, spiritually clueless Gentiles in what they knew and in the way that they lived. And we get a flavor of that here in verse 14, Right? As obedient children, do not be conformed to the desires of your former ignorance. In other words, these people were coming out of a background of just total spiritual ignorance, clueless. We get other indications in First Peter that that was the case for them. Look at chapter 4, chapter 4 and verses 3 and 4. Peter writes to them here, beginning in chapter 4 and verse 3, For there has already been enough time spent in doing what the Gentiles choose to do, carrying on in unrestrained behavior, evil desires, drunkenness, orgies, carousing, and lawless idolatry. They are surprised that you don't join them in the same flood of wild living, and they slander you. So again, this gives you an indication of kind of the lifestyle that these people were coming out of as Gentile believers. Turn back to chapter one and look at verse 18. Chapter one and verse 18. Peter says there, for you know that you were redeemed from your empty way of life inherited from your fathers. If you're here and you know you have the the incredible privilege of of, of of Christian parents, it's a wonderful thing. But I know many of you didn't didn't grow up with that. You grew up with parents who didn't know the Lord, maybe fathers who who didn't know the Lord, and that that was the case with these believers, right? They they had grown up just knowing nothing, parents who didn't know Christ, you know, fathers who who did not. Uh, model anything but kind of an, an, an empty life. And Peter is saying here, you know that you were redeemed from that. You were redeemed from your empty way of life inherited from your fathers. And now, instead of being conformed to that empty way of life that you saw in your earthly fathers, you're to be conformed to holiness that you see in your heavenly father. That's what he's going to talk about next. Verses 15 and 16. But as the one who called you is holy you also are to be holy in all your conduct for it is written be holy because I am holy. You know we saw in verse 3 that we've been given a new birth, right? That that we have been born again as children of God. John chapter one and verse 12 says, but to all who did receive him, he gave the right to be children of God to those who believe in his name. And so as believers, we have been adopted as sons and daughters of the Heavenly Father. And our purpose now is to reflect who He is in His holiness. Be holy, for I am holy. And so we're to shine for Him. The fabric of our lives is to bring Him glory. Matthew chapter 5 and, and verse 16, Jesus says there in the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. And so we're to be different, we're to be holy, we're to shine for him. Not just in the things that we avoid, yes, that's part of it, But, but in the things that we do, right? In the good works that we do, in the acts of selfless love, and kindness and the attitude of our lives and the fruit of the spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. We are to stand out and shine out so that people can look at us now. So that people will look to him. So that we can catch them, get, help them catch a vision that you know what, life can be different. <laughs> My life can be different, so that they will catch a glimpse of who Christ is, who God is, and that they would be drawn to him. So how do we do that? Right? We, we certainly do it by speaking the gospel. People have to hear. People can't be saved by osmosis, right? God saves people. He calls people to himself through the proclamation of the gospel, Right, so part of those good works of love that we do, part of loving people is telling them about Jesus. That begins with the people in your life, family members, friends that don't know Christ, speak the good news of the gospel. Tell them about what Jesus has done with your lips, right? But, but the, those words from our lips will ring hollow if they're not backed up by holy lives, which is what he's calling us to here. Let's pray together. And so, Father, we pray for your spirit to be doing a work in our lives, that your spirit would be conforming us to the image of your son more and more so that people through our lives would catch a vision of who you are. And so Lord, may they hear about Jesus through our lips and may they catch a vision of who he is through holy lives that we lead. And we pray it in Jesus' name, amen.